to write. Hold on. It's right above it. Can you please start the podcast like that? It's just wrong, Tom. Father of mine, tell me where have you been? You know I just closed my eyes. My whole world is up here. Father of mine, take me back to the day. Yeah, when I was still your golden boy, back before you went away. Yo, what's up? It's uh, Dave Metz here. You're leaning a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, I am <laughs> soft-spoken, uh, and I'm, uh, I'm trying to be a comic. That's how I know these two. And I'm not really a comic, but I'm trying to be. Hey, so, Nick, uh, remember, you're a dad. Say so you're a dad. I am a dad. Very cool. A good papa. Oh, we're listening to uh, Everclear, Father of Mine. I feel like this need no introduction. Oh, love, I love this song. So I love this song, too. Yeah. I'm, I'm almost upset we're talking over it. All right, hold on. What's up, dudes? Hey, guys. I'm Tobes. I'm Jesse. And we're the host of Worst, Worst Contact, Contact, a show for aliens by humans, where we discussed every aspect of human life, such as death, life, juggalos, cats, LARPing, art, war, athleticism with world's greatest athlete, Action Ronnie Glibson. That's one of my favorite episodes. Uh, we keep it fun, we keep it goof, we never script it, and we always have a good time. But don't bring the kids along, because we say naughty words. All on MachineCulture.com. Peace! You stumble across a very intelligent podcast listener. What do you do? Uh, I ask if they've ever heard of desks and day jobs. Well, for insight. Oh, they haven't, and they yes. want to know more. I tell them Destin Day Jobs is a D&D podcast that takes the humdrum life of four office workers and injects it with magic, adventure, and hilarious antics. All right, roll for perception. Yes. Oh, that's, uh, they're definitely interested. Uh, I grab their phones and subscribe them to Destin Day Jobs on iTunes, SoundCloud, and the Machine Culture website. Roll for sleight of hand. Well, that's a critical hit. Yeah. yeah. They're subscribed. Do they have a dog? Uh, can the dog listen to the podcast? Uh, yeah. Roll for animal handling, I guess. Well, that doesn't work. Uh, uh, but they're still interested in desks and day jobs. Yeah. 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 Desks and day jobs. Now part of the Machine Culture Collective. Huzzah. Yeah, so this is the um, fourth 
of five uh, Kanye summer projects. Nasir. Um, yeah, Nasir, which is Nas's full name. And so this is a song that Nas made with Kanye West and also features The Dream, who's the person that's singing right now. Nick, you listened to the album. Yeah, I did. And I don't listen to a lot of rap. So I, you know, I'm just kind of an old dude. And I love this song. Like, I thought it was, it stuck out to me as the best one on the album. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think this is the best song. I like Adam and Eve as well, but this is better. I like the lyrics. Uh, I can change anything if I had everything, I think was one of the lyrics. Yes. And I I just kind of like that sentiment. There's a lot of power in that statement. I didn't get a chance to listen to this album, but how do you think it compares to the other Kanye summer projects? And man, is he blowing through this summer. <laughs> is it even officially summer by the by the calendar? No, it's he, it's like he has a public school teacher summer. It's five yeah. weeks. It starts in the spring. Yeah, these are all his construction paper projects. Yeah. He's just working on. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if, how this ranks. Honestly, I mean, I guess the Kanye album is the best one so far, in my opinion. Do you listen to Ye at all? What did you think of this uh, this album as a whole? This this Nas project. Um. I knew I knew I'm not his target audience. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you're you're 38, right? Nas came on the scene in like '97. No, I, I know he's been around a long time, um, but I'm not his kind of target demographic. I don't think. Uh, but I I agreed with you on on the songs that were were pretty good. The only one I think you and I disagreed on was. Uh, White label, I believe it's called. White label, yeah. I thought that one was. I thought that one was better than you thought it was, right? Yeah. And <laughs> I thought that one was better than you thought it was. <laughs> what you thought, I disagree with. <laughs> yeah. Too polite. I don't like telling anybody their opinion sucks. Yeah, just say, hey, Dave, you're a poo-poo head. Right. All right. It's, I'm working already on my dad sort of relatability. Yeah. Uh, Did you listen to Nas when you were younger? I mean, because he had he had al- he put out albums when you were like middle his, school and high school. Were, you have to remind me on what his like his most popular songs were. Uh, Illmatic was the mo- is the album that basically make made Nas. Yeah, but uh, let's see here. Um, his most popular his songs. Um, if I ruled the world. If I Rule the World, that's... I'm, I'm I thinking know, of the I wrong can. If I Rule the World. I'm thinking of Lauryn Hill, if I That is Lauryn Hill and Nuts. Oh, okay. That's yeah. Okay. New York State of Mine. Um, One the, Mic. One Mic. Uh, mm, life's I, a Bitch. I obviously know If I Rule the World, but I, I always just thought that was I'm, there's another that uh, that save the music song that like I know I can't be what I do you know that that song is fucking terrible. That's what I was just singing. Yeah, that's uh, my president. Like my, my president is black. My Lambo's blue. You did that with Jeezy. I don't know. That was Wait, recent. Was that, I don't think that was with Jeezy. It 100 was with Jeezy. Are you sure? He says I got 30 inch, inch rims like Hulk Hogan's arms or something like that. <laughs> Um, while you're looking that up, let's get plugs out of the way. Uh, Nick, what do you got to plug? Uh, I got plugs. I got, I run a weekly show. 
That's one of my plugs. I run a weekly show called Comedy Tub at Chicago Joe's. Ooh, Chicago Joe's. Park. They shot one quick snapshot in Wayne's World of Chicago Joe's. Nice. And I run a monthly show called Tattler Tales. It's at the American Legion, uh, third Friday of every month. Where's the American Legion? It's at the corner of Western and Montrose. There's more than one American Legion. Yeah, but this one uh, is, I guess, one of the fastest growing ones in the state. And what is an American Legion? It's a private club, and it's veterans. And it's interesting to do comedy shows Because you have... They're veterans, and it's like a very unique demographic. You have like 70 and older white dudes. Yeah. And then you have like 35 and younger everybody. Hmm. So it's like all white dudes, old people are white, old white dudes, and all the younger people are everybody. How do they like it? How are, are they into they the comedy show? They, they love, love it. it. Like, and everybody, and we, like, anytime I do a show, I love it. It's just, they're super supportive, and... The drinks are really cheap. And it's nice. good. <laughs> it's a good time. Great. We gotta yeah. go out to the American it's Fantastic. It's fantastic. Yeah, put me on Comedy Tub, man. Go to the Legion, mix it's it up with show. some veterans. Comedy Tub's fantastic. Alright, it's, it's, it's a pre plug. Yeah. At some point, Dave may be on one of these shows. Yeah. I feel like it's oh, there's okay. certain things that <laughs> make their way into a lot of comedy show names, like uh, Tub. I don't know why the word tub is funny though. So I like I get it. Tub is funny. We thought we thought it was one of the we thought of like a thousand names and we're like these are all bad. Who do you do it with? Uh, so we do it with Adam Bowman, Aaron McDavis, oh, yeah. and uh, Lance, Aaron. Lancey Joe, who just moved away. And where, where do you move to, Lancey? Yeah, he's in Memphis. He, oh shit! He wants to be a pilot. Whoa. So he's taking he's flying a lot and. Uh, Hundred and eighty degree turn. Dude, yeah. And uh, I was so bummed when he left. He's one of my good friends here. Um, he gave me my Detroit hat. I've, I have a. He gave me a throwback, like, really? like '80s Detroit hat. Yeah, I wear yes. it like every day. Oh, he's, in a, he's a he's a big Jordan fan. He always wore Jordans as a kid. And me, I'm from Cleveland, so I hate Michael Jordan. You must um, be gloating right now, though. Ah, uh, the the sweep of Cleveland <laughs> <No>. <laughs> of LeBron just getting completely. Lawn mowered by the Golden State Warriors. Cleveland has such a weird relationship with LeBron James. When I was living in Toledo was when he left for Miami. And I was in, like, political science grad school. And all of a sudden, we stopped talking about, like, poverty (laughs) and gentrification to talk about whether or not it was morally correct for LeBron James. Yeah, the the unfinished ale, what was that? That Great Lakes Brewing? You you know the story, right? Mary probably doesn't, but... You know how they had LeBron James? They had a beer for him, and I don't remember what it was called. What was his number? He was 32, right? Uh, 23. 23. Oh, yeah, like Jordan, right? Uh, I think it was like, it was called like Batch 23. And when he left Miami, they pulled it all early and bottled it and called it unfinished. Yeah, sorry, left for Miami. They pulled it early and called it uh, unfinished ale, and people (laughs) drank it out of spite. Like, I watched people go, like, this sucks. This tastes like shit. Fuck LeBron James. Oh, fantastic. And we, everybody was bitter. And then the day he came back, like, the day that Sports Illustrated article came out, yeah. my dad was mowing his lawn out front in his front yard, and a guy he didn't know pulls his car up and screams, LeBron's coming back! <laughs> and just keeps driving. And I'm like, that's absolutely Cleveland. 
Because that's all, all we have is sports. There's nothing to do in Cleveland but love your sports team and hate everybody else. Right. And the Browns are kind of like the Cubs. Uh, like they've just like been bad for so long. It's just a strict loyalty thing. And in like these former Rust Belt cities like, you know, like Detroit, Cleveland, yeah. Yeah. Milwaukee, we're so like loyal. Like loyalty now is like we have like a mob level of like loyalty. It's like creepy. It's creepy. Yeah. It's like this yeah. shit. Like the Lions were bad for so long. Yet they demanded your loyalty. And I'm like, still, I watch... And Browns went 0-16 last year, and I watched every, <laughs> every game. I remember when that happened to the Lions, dude, in like 0-2 or 0-4. Yeah. I watched was every game last 16, year. 0-16, huh? 0-16. I every game the year before, they went 1-15. I, I am like a crazy Browns fan. I really don't care much about the Cavs or the Tribe anymore, but I watch the Browns every weekend still. <laughs> and it is... I was reading this in a book, a psychology book. Like, they literally are an extension of you. Like, as a fan, you become them. So when they lose, you are a loser. Like, um, psychologically, you're a loser when your team loses. Sounds like just people torturing themselves. It's absolutely. What ridiculous. is it? Is it like just needing more identity? Like, if you don't it, have that, you're, there's just a part of you that's broken? I don't, I don't get it. I'm not is. really a sports fan. Uh, well, I've been an athlete, but... Uh, well, no. yeah. When I say athlete, I mean I was a competitive swimmer. It's a real back-and-forth kind of game. Um, somebody, man, I'm blanking on his name right now. He has a joke, which is really great, which is that he's like a, he's saying basically being a sports fan, it sort of placates all of your racist tendencies. You're like used to, and he was like saying, he's like, and he was actually from Cleveland too. Damn it. I'm blanking on his name. But he was like, he's like, he's like, I can hate, he's like, I can say I hate the Chicago bears instead of saying I hate the Jews. You know what I mean? Like it takes all that same rage and energy. And channels it into something acceptable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of hating funny. the Jews. Go on. Jesus. No, that's a, <laughs> that is a rough transition. <laughs> that's all right, because I'm a Jew. Um, what do we have to... Oh, we have reviews. We've been asking you to rate and review the podcast and you did i threatened to kill you people that did. didn't we threatened to kill you <laughs> and they responded to violence <laughs> of course one of you left a four star review and yeah. that's okay you know that means we need to work on it i'll take the b i'll take the four out of five that's all right that's a b minus b minus and if you did rate and review even the dickwad that did that four star one Reach out, find Dave Metz on Facebook, uh, reach out to Impress Me With Music on Facebook, find us on Instagram, send us your info, I will give you that Starbucks gift card. Yeah, I so... so I, I, I promised it, and you deserve a latte. Your girl's fave DJ wrote, especially enjoy the episodes where they go behind the music, like Biggie V Tupac and Drake V Pusha T. Alright, so whoever your girl's fave DJ is, oh, get in touch with us and... Her. Yeah, Ur Girl. You know Ur Girl? Oh, Ur Girl. <laughs> um, that sounds like a dialect of like uh, of, yeah. of Indian language. We'll also make sure Ur Girl? Do you speak Ur Girl? We'll make sure we'll do we'll do a deep dive on the next episode. I mean, we just skim the surface of how many Everclear songs I really want to play. I love that album, that Everclear album. I don't uh, Spark. Play anything else? What was that album called? No, so much for the Afterglow. What a great Can album! Can we just play "Father of Mine" again One really time, quickly? I I'm not re- I'm not ready to part. You want to play "Father of Mine" again? Just a little bit. All right, well, we're all gonna si- we're all gonna start saying sensitive things about our dads. 
I mean, this is the Father's Day episode, so I guess this would be the time. It's belated Father's Day. It's like if you were like, ah, shit, Dad was out of town on another one of those work trips. I guess this Father's Day we're going to have to go out to Denny's. You know, this is this is the episode for you. There's a weird line in this song where he's like, uh, it wasn't easy for me to be a, a scared white boy in a black neighborhood. Man, I don't, I mean, and I get what he's saying. I don't know if that lyric would fly today. You don't get it, man. I was around a lot of black people. Yeah, you have to whisper it for yeah. sure in the song. Dad, don't know what it was like, man. Um... I feel like I'm the only... I stand kind of by Everclear. Like, I actually got back into this album, like, in 2011. Oh, don't say 2011. We listened to this album, like, during oh, that's our right. road trip. Early. Yeah, wow. Road trip's a different... That's all well, different scenario. Well, we listened to Everclear, and we listened to... How, can, how uh, who's, different who's scenario? The, who's because the other guy we listened to? Shit, uh... Mickey Avalon? No, I won't. That, that one I quietly enjoyed. No Quietly, you are shouting the lyrics to Jane Fonda out the window of the car. No, um, it's along the same line as Everclear, uh, White Jesus. Oh, uh, Ever, no, Everlast. Everlast. Yeah. All right, well, okay. next episode is the Evers. Yeah, the Forever <laughs> Evers. Um, forever and Ever, Everlast. So if you want a Starbucks gift card, by the way, you can also get one. Leave a five-star review. If you're a punk piece of shit, leave a four-star review. You'll still get a gift card. You'll get a four-dollar gift card. I made a promise. <laughs> I, I We're going to buy you a half a cup. My word. Yeah. All right. We can, we can fade out of this now, even though it's just a lot of fun. Love that song. There's kind of some... Bullshit guitar solo. Um, well... That's all right. No, it's okay. Art Alekikis, I'm not sure how to say his last name. Alekikis, the lead singer, not the best guitar player. Decent songwriter. I mean, I stand by his songwriting skills on this album. Sometimes genius is in simplicity, Dave. I agree with you. I look, I love the Ramones, you know, like Nirvana, you know what I mean? His daddy gave him a name. And then he walked away. Um, Okay, so. We gotta think about kind of a sad song. It is. It's a sad song. Um, Some sad stuff in the news, kind of. Uh, X triple X X X Centacion is dead. That's that's something that happened. He's twenty years old. This kid. Yeah. Twenty years old. Yes, and I think he's the youngest one of these uh, SoundCloud rappers to die. Lil Peep, I think, was twenty one. But yeah, dude, man, their whole careers are just happening so much quicker now because. I mean, like, it's crazy to think that he will have released, like, four albums and he's dead at 20. And I, so I don't know anything about him, but I, I had to Wikipedia him. <laughs> I was reading about him and I was like, damn, this kid went through a lot and came out with how many albums? Well, they're mixtapes, like four. One, one studio album, um, three mixtapes. Amazing, especially, like, at 20. I'm not diminishing anybody at 20, but that's impressive. It is impressive. He uh, he also has kind of a storied past of not being the greatest guy, Dave. I think you know the most on on his uh, legal woes and just on him being pretty much a problematic person. I think yeah. there's he really never would have had much of a chance in the mainstream with. Um, Yeah, so, okay, so uh, in his death, you know, kind of we're examining this more closely than I think we had examined it before, but everyone knew the story that uh, he had assaulted his then-pregnant girlfriend. Um, If I'm remembering correctly, and there's uh, there's an ongoing trial, which is basically that 
he was sentenced on uh, assaulting his uh, then girlfriend. That's crazy. Um, and he pled down to like a very minor charge, like a two-year suspended sentence or something like that. And then um, it basically uh, now came to pass that he was able to get a lower uh, plea because he had intimidated a witness. So he was on trial for that, or rather he was about to go to trial for that. He also like, uh, I mean, I won't get into the really gory shit that he did, but I mean, he did beat up a gay cellmate because he was staring at him. And then like he beat him up badly enough that he was bloody. And then he wiped his blood on his own face like the Native American guy in a Westworld, you know. Uh, so he's Damn. he's a violent cra- – I mean he it, he it was open about his like kind of struggle with his own mental illness. But he was also like a super violent dude. And so he was shot in a robbery leaving a motorcycle store. Um, an apparent robbery. They have no idea who shot him. Even though p- some people apparently caught it on cell phone, no one knows who shot him. It's my, it's kind of like a Tupac and Biggie situation. Yeah, it sounds like it. And this didn't happen in a car with Suge Knight. This happened on a motorcycle. Was he on a motorcycle? I think he was walking out of the store. Right. And um, in Deerfield Beach, which is not the best part of South Florida. Um. And he just kind of got, like, I think held up. I kind of am theorizing also that he uh, maybe, uh, I mean, he was a piece of shit. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and I think it, he was probably killed on sounds, purpose. Sounds like there were more than enough people. If I was Lenny Briscoe, you know yeah, what I mean? More than enough people with uh, more than enough reasons to want to see his life be put to an end. Man. Yeah. So I guess that's the, I mean, the SoundCloud rapper happen. game is, I mean, something we've talked about with that is, I mean, one of the pieces of it, like, I guess something we've learned recently is that rap isn't as hard as we've thought it was. Like, a lot of rappers that, like, talk all this big game about being, like, drug dealers or being, like, thugs or being super hard really aren't. Yeah, it's like but, wrestling. You know, right? we, we all know it's fake now. Some of these SoundCloud kids are probably too hardened <laughs> and probably yeah. problematic. I mean, not necessarily hardened in the sense of like, oh man. I mean, some of them obviously do come from rough backgrounds and childhoods. And well, this I'm dude sure appears that that, to that, have... Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure all this shaped and impacted his actions, but not in a way that I think that it makes them like forgivable or okay. It's no like, way. all right, you can kidnap your pregnant girlfriend because you had a rough go at it. Um, but these are, this is kind of like the return to, I think like real, like rough, raw. Sure. Craziness. Do you remember Easy e Um, yeah. Give me that nut. Of course. No. Just to fall asleep. <laughs> no, what was the one where he talks about how he's like, he hits his girlfriend and then beats up her dad. What song was that? Uh, oh, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it might be boys in the hood, but it's, boys it's, in the hood, uh, don't come talking that trash. I'll pull you. Yeah. I know the chorus. I'm just, he, there's like 47 verses to that. There song. Are, I, I don't I remember. Talk about beating some, yeah. I think. They used to, I mean, they used to, there used to be way more problematic lyrics and I think they kind of stopped doing that. Um, so, and actually, so, XX Tentacion was taken off of Spotify, not for any of his like problematic lyrics, but for like his problematic behavior. Uh, yeah. And yeah. he was not on Spotify for a while, uh, other than like his features. And then they decided in like um, at the beginning of this month that uh, they were Spotify was no longer going to take uh, moral stances on people. Sure. And they rem- they put all of the music back on. So R. Kelly, XX Tentacion, it's all. 
there. Back on. So, but he was part of that conversation of why Spotify was moving things off and taking th- and putting things back on. Yeah. So let me just let me let me read this real quick. Spotify is backpedaling on its recently announced anti-hate policy after some music industry players criticized it. The company said in blog post. All right. Good job there, CBS News. Uh, The company said in blog post that when it announced the policy on May 10th, it, quote, created confusion and concern and that Spotify, quote, didn't spend enough time getting input from their own team. Basically, there's two ways of looking at this, right? I feel like Spotify is like either saying, look, that's up to you to decide the listener, who's good and who's bad, or they're saying, we're going to profit off of it either way. So yeah, what do you think, Nick? I think it makes for them business sense to do what they just did and look i actually do believe that anybody should be able to listen to whatever they want i i totally may disagree with it but it's like they're gonna find a way to listen to it and you know i don't know maybe that's too business oriented but people are gonna find a way to listen to what they what they want to listen to they walked back on that so quickly they actually talks that this happened and i think mid-may i think like may 11th or something they started rolling out this policy by the 25th it was like yeah i think we're gonna you know roll some of it back and then by june 1st basically they were like uh you know we're uh gonna have to just not do that there's another side to it too though right like are we encouraging that are we encouraging people to listen to somebody who is quote unquote a piece of garbage are we rewarding their behavior, uh, or does it make sense to take that, take Spotify, which is a huge avenue for? I actually don't know how much these any artist makes off of Spotify. Not much. It's something like ten thousand plays equals the purchase of one album, or something like that. Okay. Yeah, I mean they, That's they, super they, they don't make. Yeah, they're they're not making a lot of money, and I think a big piece of it here is Spotify quickly were like saying that they just don't aim to play judge and jury. Right. That's pretty much their words. And I think that at the end of the day, they're the platform for listening. Spotify is not one of the companies that I, I need them to make moral stances on the content that they, sure. that they, they provide. If they want to, like, you know, have a 1% of benefits going to combat, you know, domestic violence or something, like if, if they want to take a big moral stance, they can stand, they can Starbucks it up. Yeah. Or, or, or do something else like a lot of other corporations well, and do. Here's the thing, too. And this is, I guess, if we're going to make a moralistic argument here. So we've learned certain things about certain musicians way after the fact, right? Phil Spector kills his girlfriend 40 years after he records all of his most famous music. John Phillips of the Mamas and the Papas apparently molested his daughter and shot her up with heroin and cocaine. So, I mean, are we not going to listen to uh, All the Leaves Are Brown? I, I, I doubt they pulled the mamas and the papas off that's, of Spotify. That's fair. You know, I mean, where is the... I mean, the, Jackie, Wilson, Jackie Wilson... Jackie uh, Wilson... I was just reading... You know Jackie Wilson, your love? I do. I was just listening to Jackie Wilson, actually. Some, he did some fucked up shit, and I can't remember really? what it was. Um, uh, uh, he was a charge. Uh, he assaulted a police officer. He assaulted a police woman. Um, oh, Patty LaBelle accused him of raping her at a theater in Brooklyn. I mean, did we really? pull? Damn. Did, did we take like your love keeps taking me higher and lonely, higher? Lonely teardrops. Lonely teardrops. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so lonely teardrops is very XX Tentacion. He wrote like emotional music, and people vibed with it because they were in dark places. But. Does it excuse? Do you or... think we give music more of a pass than we give pretty much any other art form in terms of the creator? 
comedy, no doubt. I mean, the comedians well, right. you slip I mean, up once. Yeah, sure, well, sure. Com- I mean, comedians, we really, especially today, we don't give a pass. But, I mean, music, it's like, are you really going to tell people to stop listening to, like, the greatest hits of all time, some of them, on, on that level? I-, I don't know. And do you think, I don't know, do you think that... Uh, oh, God, I just forgot what I was going to ask you. Oh, my goodness. Um... I mean, like, so Rovan Hill was on, like, two or three episodes ago, and he was saying he has no problem separating the artist uh, from their art. Oh, I remember what I was going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. So, do you think that the same whatever it is in their brain that makes them a monster is always the is also the same thing that makes them a genius? Eh, I don't do know. I don't know if I... It is all one brain. Right? I don't know if I buy that, right? It's it's all one brain. I don't think that, like, we can... That brain segment... I mean, first who's of all... Who's a genius that we wasn't? We don't know shit crazy. about the brain, yeah. really. I mean, okay, who's a genius who wasn't crazy, but not all geniuses are monsters. What is it? Like, not all oodles are toodles, but some toodles are... Oodles or whatever. I have one, no idea what you're talking about. Is li- that the Wiggles? What is just helping us pass the ACT? One, yeah. one of those, one of those <laughs> logic problems, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, but, sure, sure, sure. I know what you mean. I, I don't think that we can <clears throat> we can kind of make those direct attributions, and maybe that's in part me not wanting to do that, but I just I won't. Um, that's too easy. That makes it too easy for anybody that thinks they're a genius to feel like they should be forgiven for being a dick. Or worse, sure. than a dick. A dick's not even like an adequate uh, way to describe sure. XXTacion. I have this weird thing. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's because I'm like I, I always feel like everybody, no matter what they do, is a product of all of the crap they've been through. I agree with you. And there's a genetics piece, and then there's a lot of environment stuff that it's like. I, all, I mean, people do really shitty stuff, and obviously their victims should be thought of before them. But I also believe that everybody who does something shitty is like, they didn't just think of that. At least most of them didn't. I think a lot of shit happened to that person to, for them to get to that evil place. Well, yeah, I mean, there's the, uh, the C.S. Lewis, right, the quote, which is that people only do bad things for one of two reasons, right? Either they stand to gain something from it or they're twisted up in the head, basically. You know, you're either crazy or you have some sort of, um, like, external motivation. I mean, there are psychopaths. I That's think true. there are psychopaths. There are people who They fall do. into the second category, though. Sure. I mean, everyone down the line, you know? I mean, even, like, people like Martin Luther King cheated on his wife. You know, Ben Franklin, you know, che- you know, was a g- bad guy interpersonally. Without those two people, America would not be America the way we know it. You there, know what I mean? Right. There's a right. pretty good book uh, that I never read because I'm not really uh, well-learned. But, uh, well, I read, like, six pages of it then fell asleep. But it's called um, Bad Men Do What Good Men Dream. And it's basically like a psychological look into like what really separates. I mean, because we all have fucked up thoughts, right? Like we all ruminate in dark Absolutely. places and we all think of like worst possible scenarios and you're like, oh shit, did I just imagine everybody dead? That's what, who am I? Mm-hmm. And then what's kind of that fine line in the mind that separates us all? Well, this could be a psychological podcast. We're going down a deep, yeah. deep dark road, but I'm going to take us out of there with the... Thank you. 
Music yeah. history. I like that. music. June 21st, 2018. Baby, let's do this. All right. In 1732, composer Johann Christoph Friedrich Bach was born. Y'all know Bach? Y'all want to Bach it up? Bach. All right. 1952, Fats Domino's Going Home became his number one first hit. Do you know that song? I don't know that song. That's okay. 75, Richie Blackmore quit Deep Purple to form Rainbow. We all know Deep Purple. Richie Who knows Rainbow? Blackmore. Hold on. He was also in, like, uh, Keep Going. All right. Let's move on up to 76, Elton John and Kiki D's Don't Go Break In My Heart was released in the U.S. and Britain. In 79, Mick Taylor released his first solo album after leaving the Rolling Stones. In 81, Donald Fagan and Walter Becker announced the breakup of Steely Dan. So Keep going. sad. Never, I've, I've never liked Steely Dan. I find them to be uh, elevator music. Uh-uh. In two th- yeah, they're overrated. In 2010, Eminem's album Recovery was released in the U.S. and the U.K. I like that album. Recovery? Yeah. That's a return to form for him. He kind of changed after that. Sure. In 2011, the LMFAO song Sorry for Party Rocking was released in the U.S. That that song's called Sorry for Party Rocking? They don't seem very apologetic at all. Oh, so sorry for party rocking. No, there's always like, party rocking. That doesn't sound sorry. That's not how you apologize. All right. But most importantly, most importantly, later in 2011, the Maroon 5 single Moves Like Jagger was released. Oh, baby. Uh, A.K.A. this backing track. Well, how do we feel about Maroon 5? I want to talk about them. All right. Uh, I mean, they're bad. No, they're not bad. They're bad. I don't think they're bad. Uh, they're this this particular, th- this particular song, I absolutely hated this song. And I went home to visit my sister, mm-hmm. who has three, she had three kids at the time, and my niece was singing this song. And I automatically was like, I literally went from I hate this song to I absolutely love this song because of her. So it just literally changed my complete opinion on how I feel about the song because my niece was singing it. And I think that's weird. Well, that's fine. I think, I think everyone's a lot of context. Okay, fine. Maroon 5 doesn't suck, but it's not for me. No, I it's, don't ever listen um, to them. It's about what, what, I mean, I can't say they suck because of like all their, I don't know. I mean, shit. I've, shit it's, it is terrible. I, I've just been looking at pictures of Adam Levine uh, on Google Image Search uh, the past couple of days. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, really? I'm gonna pause. Yeah, we can turn this off. I, uh, I want to get. Uh, We're gonna need to pause it to look at those pictures. I want to get like, uh, t- like tattoos like him. He's like my tattoo role model, you know. Ugh. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this hot specimen, huh? Huh? All right. Uh-huh. Okay, that looks tacky, actually. Tacky. When you don't have the lighting and the makeup, it actually looks kind of bad. Yeah, it's not. One uh, in particular uh, about his tattoos are... Because they're bl- black and white. You, you like know? black and white. Yeah, I don't want to... I, I want to get, like, a bunch of tattoos and not and not have any color. I want to be Tattoo Dad. Uh, do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Tattoo... Uh, do you want to be bearded Tattoo Dad? No, or? I can't grow a beard. Can no. you grow a beard? Uh, a little one. Yeah, I can do it. I, can I do it. Mine's patchy. Yeah, like, I can do it. I pulled. I can pull it off. Uh, I like it because it makes my chin look a little bit more masculine. What do you think about my beard? I think your beard's fine. I like your beard. I feel that's, like that's I, just kind of stubble, though. That's if not I, really a beard, is it? it? This is just stubble, yeah. Yeah. 
And when I grow it out, though, I look like I should be throwing Molotov cocktails at IDF forces. <laughs> I don't belong. Yeah, yeah. Someone's going to grab sure. me. You look a little dirty. Yeah. You look dirty, like you should be in a jumpsuit. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> speaking, um, of, fair speaking of dirty jumpsuits and, and moving on, I mean, you guys are really going to do the Battle of the Dad tracks. I've got one song to contribute to my kind of like... My dad portion of this playlist, but I've got a track I've been bumping this week. So before we go into the all, all that all that father fatherly shit, here's uh, my pick of the week. Suggest songs. Do you find that it tends to be pretty spot on for you, or that it's a little off? I uh, I've used it weirdly for comedy more than I've used it for music. Like when they suggest a comic that is oh, really? like another comic that I've been listening to. Have you discovered anyone that way? Yes, I discovered Chad Daniels that way. I didn't even know who that is. Chad he, Daniels. I think has like one of the funniest albums I've ever heard, and uh, his latest album, whatever that is. Insanely good. I was listening to Tommy Tommy John again. Yeah, um, Tommy John is good. And I love his his last album as well. And he jokes about being a dad and being you know married and stuff. So it was like hitting me right at the right time, I think. And then and then I found him, and I was like, that that album is fantastic. What percentage of your standup would you say right now is about being a dad? <laughs> Uh, I have a lot of dad bits right now. Same. It's, I'd say yeah. I, about 50-50. I have a lot. That's yeah. like, and I actually am leaning into it. Like I enjoy talking about it. And I like writing about it and everything. I think it's just sort of... There's enough emotion there for it to be a natural thing to want to talk about. Absolutely, yeah. It's so much easier. Like it's an easier place to dig into. You know what I mean? For, for me, absolutely. And there's a lot of... There's a lot of scary stuff in there. There's a lot of awesome stuff in there, and like this, the song. One of the songs that I uh, I picked was like it literally took me 
hearing it like 10 times before I was able to stop crying. Like I cried every time I heard it and it's a cheesy song, but I think my daughter, every time I, I listen to it, it. We, should, we should play that track. It's, it is, I think, I, I still daughter, think it's right? cheesy. Yeah, yeah. I think it's cheesy, but it's pretty. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty song. I don't know anything about Loud and Wayne Radio. Also. This is the only song I knew. I mean, I typed in Loud and Wayne right into Spotify, and this is the song that came Yeah, out. it's kind of lullaby-ish. she sees, she says she wants. she wants, I see she gets. All right, so this is uh, Loud and Wainwright. The song is called Daughter. Daughter. Everything she owns. She's Memphis. Wainwright's. Yeah. Wait, really? Yeah. And apparently he's been active way longer. <laughs> Obviously. He's been yep. active since 1967. Been around a minute. I thought this was like one of his more popular songs he ever put together. Yeah. And I'm sure most people probably know it's Wainwright. Yeah, for sure. So, um, let me read this whole thing. So, this is about a Loudon Wainwright. His first marriage to the singer-songwriter Kate McGargill ended in divorce. During their marriage, they had two children, Rufus and Martha. Rufus was the inspiration behind two of Wainwright's songs. Rufus is a tit man, okay, <laughs> and a father and a son, a retrospective. Wainwright's song inspired by Martha are Pretty Little Martha, five years old, Kidding You, Father-Daughter Dialogue, and I'd Rather Be Lonely. Uh, I don't... S- so the daughter is not about her? That's weird. <laughs> That's weird. Martha Wainwright is also an Amer- a Canadian-American folk rock singer-songwriter. So father and both kids are uh, folk singer-songwriters. Pretty impressive. Wild. Yeah. It's like a kid comic who wants to be a comic doctors, like their dad. Yeah, it's like the family business. It's like, uh, who's Damon Wayans' son? You know what I mean? Like the funeral business. Yeah. <laughs> you watch uh, Six Feet Under? Uh, it creeps me out. I watched one episode and I, it scared me. Oh, man, I, I love like, that show. I didn't like Dexter either. Oh, yeah, I didn't like Dexter. Dexter scared me. Dexter was terrible. Too dark for a season. I stuck, stuck it out, but I couldn't do it. But this song, I just couldn't, like, I couldn't literally... You know how, like, you're just... At right after the kid is born, you're just like this crazy exhaustion, emotion stuff happening. Like, I couldn't oh, yeah, keep it together listening to this song. This I still is... feel pretty in that. Yeah. I feel like functionally in it now. I feel like six months out, we're like functionally exhausted. Like, we're now, we now have to like go and do jobs. Like, we have to, we've had to return to that space, but like, still so exhausted. Because our, our kid decides sometimes to like wake up at like 3.30 in the morning and, and want to play. Yeah. Now that she's older, and she's, she's like... And she's cute and smiling at you. Yeah, she's like yeah. cute and smiling and she like rolls around. She can like crawl, so she just like crawls on your head and like bites your face and like throws our glasses off. Our, our kid is strong, man. She's like a little hulk. And you're not going to put her back down to sleep when she wants to play, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to spend time with her. That's the worst yeah. part is that... I, I can already see myself like being like a like a an easygoing parent because I'm literally like 
all right, all right. You know, yeah, let's do this. Come on, let's go downstairs. That's actually like my biggest fear is being too much of the buddy dad and not enough of the disciplined dad. Like, I think every dad should be a little bit of disciplined dad. Sure. And I'm worried I'm going to try to just be besties with her because that's that's just how I Same. want people to I, I think be, you know. Dave came from a much stronger disciplinarian background. Um, my parents kind of like raised us in a free-for-all space. One, they were barely around. Okay. And then two, from like a young age, they just kind of like let my sister and I be home alone. Like before it was legal for us to <laughs> yeah. even like be home alone and like sure. making our own food and, okay. and just doing stuff. But also on top of like being independent, we also like completely lack discipline. Sure. But I actually am starting to see, like, I now crave more discipline. So I think even though we thought that, like, Dave would be the one who's going to be, like, the disciplinarian in the situation, it's already, like, I think I'm going to end up probably being more of a disciplinarian <laughs> just because it's what I wish I had more of. And you're probably going to sure. end up, like, revolting against your own upbringing and being, like, way more chill at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm already seeing it. Do you it think that happens that to everyone where they sort of push against what they didn't like about their parents? We yeah. Talk, we talk about it, I mean, like, at least once a week, things we don't want to do that our parents did. But you look at it and you go, well, we're both highly functioning people. Like, your parents had to do a lot of things right, too, Oh, man. Right? I mean, highly functioning now. We're fuck-ups in a lot of ways. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, I I didn't like I whenever I talk right, I mean, I'm talking to both of you and I right. yeah it was a long journey to get yeah, here yeah it was it was, sure. a, it was a long sure. journey I guess that's sure. I mean three years ago I was living with Joe McMahon in a basement apartment that had a, <laughs> a plant growing through the toilet do you know what I mean like I've come like a long way yeah we we met okay. we met doing drugs okay you know? so that right. th- that that kind of piece you're like I mean we ended up okay now. But we didn't hit the ground running at 18. Yeah, sure. and, and okay. so it's like, I guess... Do you think it's in spite of rather than because of? Hard to say. Yeah. It's it, a combination, it, like the brain is. thing, the brain of an artist. Yeah. I mean, you are, like you said, and I agree with you, you are the result of all of your life experiences. So you can't like go and say it is or isn't because of this one thing. Do you know what I mean? Right. I mean, you can nurture the hell out of a kid, but also now if they, they feel like life is too easy, then they may have this sense of entitlement to them and not want to work and all that stuff. So like, I feel like you could end up doing all these like wonderful things for your kid and then the kid will think that they deserve everything, right? Or then sure. you could completely neglect the kid and they'll think they're terrible, but they might want to succeed in spite of that. Like, I have a friend whose parents were both like crazy alcoholics his whole life and he's just like one of the most successful people I knew. No, because he just strived to be successful in spite of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's just I, a weird I have, thing that I happens have with people. Friends like that too, and I think I think there's like <laughs> that surface level where like like you can still find success even if your parents sucked, but like there's other pieces of you that are well, fucked up. You for know sure, what I mean? For like sure. there's like I don't know. Maybe. And success is a word that is doesn't yeah, yeah. mean it doesn't like, mean yeah. anything. Like, like, what does that mean? Like, Financial guess, success. Yeah, you can you still know, figure out mean? how to make money even if your parents suck. Or like sure. you can. Make and when do you call it? Money. When do you go? You're a success or you're a fuck right, up. Right, right, right. Because right. that's fair. So I had a lot of friends growing up whose parents were alcoholics. I mean, I'm from like a union town. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Sure. And that's sort of like the stereotype of those parents. And of that, of those friends, one of them has her life in order. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Most of them uh, have 
had some serious struggles as adults. Not that they haven't come out the other end of it, but sure, it, some of them have, some of them haven't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. I yeah. think so. I and, and I, I'm I'm of two minds about it. Right. I don't want like our daughter to grow up and be like, you know, an entitled person. Right. But at the same time, I look at like all these entitled kids, like these kids I went to college with, that you know are all like super entitled yeah and they seem to be doing fine so they do like when you expect that you're supposed to do well you actually have a belief system yeah even if it's even if it comes from a weird or fake place like if you believe you are supposed to be whatever yeah uh, successful i I, I did not believe that 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 one that one missed me i had to like find my confidence i mean part of it was like too you know when we, and this is going to be part like a, a cheesy love story moment, but I think when we I started like dating, <laughs> when, when we started dating, we were both not really going anywhere. And then we kind of like motivated one another to like find some like path and structure with our, with our lives ultimately. That's if you wonderful. had talked to us like three years ago, I, I don't think I could like give you a, yeah. a, a, a defined... I mean, I definitely wouldn't tell you that we'd be living, you know, in like a, a nice-ish apartment. I'd be like, well, you well, know. we're sleeping in an attic. Let's not right. call it nice. No, right, well, this is, I well, like it. I'm, I'm okay, kidding, well, but... I mean, sleeping in an attic, I was living in a basement three years ago. So let's, and, and not, not, not even my parents' basement. We went from was, basement to attic. I was, I was, yeah, I was moving paying on for a basement. Attic to attic. Okay. Well, so right, I think that's a great story. You want to move past it because uh, you think it's cheesy love it, story-ish? It's, 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 I, liked it. I liked the story, and it. I think a lot of people uh, shit on the institution of marriage, and I think that is actually w- like one of the most, uh, I don't know, glowing uh, supports of, of the idea of maybe it wouldn't have... Maybe it would have happened regardless of whether you're married or not married. Or are you married? I don't even know if you're married. You are we're married. married. Yeah, we're married. Yeah, yeah. So... Do you think that because you're married, you were able to kind of challenge each other in the right way and you're in, you seem very, you seem happy, right? You seem like you're in a good place. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, do you think that that is the reason? Because it's definitely part of it for sure. Marriage is a, definitely a big part of it. Marriage is a big part of it. And we're not in, like, we didn't get like traditionally married in a bunch of different senses. Like one, when we got married, I was five months pregnant. <laughs> you we know, put a wedding together in like two weeks we, we, or something. Yeah, we, we put a wedding together in like um, it was more than two weeks. Like um, the actual six. planning of it was about two weeks. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, we put a wedding together. We put it six weeks out. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. We, we we booked a venue less than two months out, and then we managed to put a wedding together, and we both like loved our wedding. Um, Where did you have it? Where was it? It was at a Lake Forest, Lake Forest. Across the street from where Vince Vaughn got married, as nice. it turns out. Yeah, like that's a, right. Yeah, like kind of like an old, old-timey hotel up there. But, um, it, it, yeah, I mean, it ended up being awesome. And, and we had talked about getting married before I had gotten pregnant. And then we were like, well, fuck it. We should do this. <laughs> yeah, and we were talking about eloping and everything. Well, and we're going to go to Italy and get I guess elope. what my point and the question was... It's, it appears that you grew in a way that you maybe would not have otherwise grown if you were completely single and separate individuals. Oh, oh for sure, course, for sure. Yeah, if we were completely separate and single individuals, like, I don't know, and I mean this in, like, a least dramatic way possible, like, 
I'm not sure if like both of us would be alive. Alright, yeah. I mean, there is some truth to that, for sure. Just, yeah, I mean, the most honest sense of, like, decision-making that was going on. Like, and it's hard to say, like, which of us was making shittier decisions leading up to that. But, like, we weren't... Like, I mean, we... Like, Dave had two degrees, and I was in school, and so, like... You'd have been to two different colleges. I'd been to two different (laughs) colleges. And so, I mean, it maybe would have, like, on paper looked like we were going to be okay, but in, in functional reality, like, we neither of us were okay. Okay. Yeah. Well... As much as I feel like we could talk about this, for yeah, like I'm an sorry. Hour. No, 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 no. You're very, it's very interesting to me. I no, 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 no. You're, you're fine. You're yeah. totally fine. I mean, w- look, we're gonna keep coming back, obviously, <laughs> to this theme of parenthood. So don't, don't feel like we have to stop having this sure, discussion. Sure. But we should throw in some music for the uh, listeners. Please. Um, so I'm gonna play this, and then I'll give you my theory about father-daughter songs in a second. If I. So this is Sam Cooke, uh, Nothing Can Change This Love, off of the album Mr. Soul. Sam Cooke is easily my favorite like singer of that That's era. Beautiful, yeah. Yeah, and my thought on like father-daughter songs is that, I guess because I never had a daughter before, a song like Daughter by Love Wainwright never really like appealed to me. So what I've done, my theory is at least, you take a song... It's essentially about a guy being in love with a woman, but it's like a... It can be applied to... Exactly. It's, there's nothing sexual about it. You know what I mean? It's just it's a song about love. Absolutely. Like pure, pure and, you know what I mean? And you kind of like pick something. I don't know. Oh, you can absolutely pick things out of this. How weird is it, though, when someone's song about their daughter is... Not quite that. It's like uh, maybe a little too sensual. The Dip by 69 Boys? Yeah, that'd be a bad. <laughs> or by Freak Nasty, I don't know. I don't remember who it is. Yeah, Knock If You Buck, you know. Um, uh, Making Love in the Kitchen by R. Kelly, which is, by the way, one of the most ridiculous songs ever. And if you are on Spotify right now, R. Kelly's music, thankfully, is available to you again. Yes, you can now get it again. Due to the heroes at Spotify. It's like reading an L. Ron Hubbard book. Or you something. can ban one artist and one artist only from Spotify. R. Kelly. It's R. Kelly. I know. Yeah. Ooh. He gets R. Kelly. Damn. R. Kelly actively still has like women imprisoned in some kind of weird fucking sex cult situation. Think about this. The guy that recorded every Christmas song you know, every Christmas song that you've held dear your entire life. Time out. He was a Jew also. Phil Spector made women sleep in glass caskets, 
pulled guns on everybody, and then murdered his girlfriend in cold blood in his driveway. Well, and I had to be never, tried for it three times in order to be found guilty. I never oh, listened fame. to Christmas music, so... <laughs> you don't know Frosty the Snowman? Rock I, around the Christmas tree? I never actively found it. It found me, Dave. I'm picturing him writing the, those things while he's doing those awful things, too. Yeah, he's just <laughs> pistol-whipping Joey Ramone while he's... Girlfriend's in a glass casket and he's like rocking around the Christmas. What are these fucking Christians like? Christmas tree. All right, I got this. This is easy. So that's the guy that you would probably ban? No, I love Phil Spector. He's one of my heroes. Um, yeah, R. Kelly is the one that feels most repugnant to me, but I'm sure there's someone worse than him. Like John Phillip, another guy that I really like the music of. But uh, ugh, What yucky. about just from the musical side? Uh Character aside, music. What music do you hate more than anything that should never be played again? Ooh. Let's spew some hate here on this beautiful podcast. <sighs> Jeffree Star is pretty fucking terrible. Um, you know what band I've always hated? R.E.M. Always hated really? <laughs> Why? I don't know. The dude's voice. Michael Stipe? I absolutely have hated R.E.M. my entire life. Uh, I like It's the End of the World as we know it. I like that one song. Yeah, that's a fun song. And then I, I hate everything but else they've ever done. It's the End of the World is also just kind of him doing We Didn't Start the Fire. But like, <laughs> yes. 1990s remix. And I love We Didn't Start the Fire. Sure. I could just nix an entire genre of like death metal. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess. It, yeah, it, I mean, metal I, is either I, a one or a zero for most people. I could just, sure. just kind of put it away. Especially... Any kind of metal music that's so unlistenable that there's a guy on Facebook who needs to like convince me of its compositional merits and how it's so mathematical <laughs> that it's amazing. Yeah, math rock. It's like, dude, math sucks. Okay, yeah. <laughs> why would you make that? Yeah. It's how about like, hey? How about this? It's a uh, physics rap. Yeah. <laughs> Is this a promo it's post for studying hard? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, okay, so let's All play. Right, I've got, I've got one. Dance. Hold on, let's let's hold yours off. Oh, you want me, you want to hold let's do the off? let's right. stay on the theme of fatherhood. So this was your second song, yeah. and, and I mean. Uh, where are we here? Let's just play Moves Like Jagger for the rest of the week. <laughs> no, oh my god. No, I, I don't need to hear it again, even if I like the song. Uh, where, here we go. choice uh, for uh, what is this I guess why did this come up speaking of which Phil Spector produced this oh okay <laughs> so great. this should be banned that's great uh, and this this song also he was later I guess guilty of ripping the heart the melody um, he's so fine so I guess they they said that he subconsciously ripped off he's so, the song He's So Fine for this melody. Which is, I think, also a Phil Spector. No, it's not. Never mind. It's uh, Phil Margo. Okay. But weird. I don't even hear I don't hear it. 
Um, this uh, the melody. We we should play that one after this. I don't know how many songs we can play, but we should play that one. After. Well, we're already running long, so this okay. is going to be a special episode. Sure, sure, sure. No problem. I don't know how much time you have. No problem. No, I can talk. Um, but we don't have to talk. I uh, I like this song, and it made me. Um, I don't know. For a long time, I was really, really like uh, religious. And my family did not make me religious. I personally was into religion. Really? Yes. I made myself religious more than anybody in my family had any influence. You're Catholic, right? I grew up Catholic, yes. And then when you became more religious, did you become more Catholic? No. I kind of became less Catholic and just more... I hate saying it, but spiritual. I know exactly how you feel. You have the same exact body. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, so this song just kind of makes me think about things, it makes me think about myth and the unknown and, uh, and having a faith and a belief and being okay with that, even though it may be frowned upon today. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I think that, uh, for us to assume we know everything is silly and, uh, I don't know. And I have a different perspective of... I don't believe in a, I've, I stopped believing in a all-powerful entity that controls and is omniscient and knows and is benevolent, um, but I believe that there is a connect interconnection and that to me is worth something. So when we had our kid, that's like the ultimate connection. You feel more connected to your kid than anybody you ever have met, right? Um, yeah. And so just like any... Any religious word that he sings in here, it's like, I just kind of think of uh, the interconnectivity between me and my daughter and my wife and family. So that's where this song came from. Interesting. That's cool. I love this track. I mean, obviously it's great production. Good job, Phil. Uh, <laughs> signature wall of sound. It's, uh, it's a great, this is a great wall of sound. And yeah, uh, yeah I can dig on the interconnectivity. I think ever since we've had a kid, it's... Yeah, I mean, the fact that we're, the three of us are now family, I mean, that it changes, obviously, like, there's the strong bond that Dave and I have, but this is, like, a totally different, I mean, us being a family now, now it's like, oh, man, we for, like, we're for real. For absolutely. Oh, now I hear it. Yeah, absolutely. This is a great song, Oh, too. my Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> Just faster, right? A little faster. Yeah, my mom used to sing this song to me all the I time love as this a kid, song. which is weird, I guess. Beautiful song. He's so fine. See that, mom? What are you doing? That's an example of what I'm talking about. You're not <laughs> supposed to do. Um, I, I I like George Harrison uh quite a bit. Um, all right, let's play Mary. Let's play your song since I I, I forgot that you had a fatherhood song. I'm I'm I mis misunderstood. Yeah, so now you want to make yourself the finale. I see where I see where things mm -hmm. are going here. Yeah. Um, I thought yeah, that said so, Dane Cook at the top. I thought we were going to make... I thought that said Dane Cook at the top. Uh, actually, my Father's Day song is just a Dane Cook album. <laughs> it's his... Sufi! You, you thought this episode was long now. Someone we're shit gonna... on the coats. Yeah, it's going to be Dane Cook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What makes me think of my dad? Someone shit on the coats. Uh, itchy right, asshole. Uh, number 13 and 67. Right, here's my dad track. Let's go. A little on the nose there with that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So was daughter, so I'm not judging. Daddy loves you, 
this is the Thin Ice by Pink Floyd off the wall. And I picked this song for a couple reasons. One, yeah, it's on the nose, Dave. Mm -hmm. um, but my family and I used to take these super long-ass road trips to Toronto, and there were not that many albums that we could all kind of like agree to listen to. But we listened to like The Wall Part One and Two all the time. That and then a bunch of strange Euro disco. But I actually also <laughs> love kind of this piece right here. I like this piano a lot. Yeah, this is one of my favorite uh, songs of the album. Both, both of our moms were big Pink Floyd people. <laughs> Just the idea of like, don't be surprised when a crack in the ice appears under your feet. And I think this is just the idea that like, life is just kind of thin ice. Makes me think of Vienna by Billy Joel a little bit. Is this the second time Billy Joel's come up today? Yes. Okay. Um. But this time, you know, this song talks like a lot of deep meaning, like things aren't going to be quite what they seem. Mm -hmm. Sort of didactic in that sense. But uh, yeah, it's my dad track. That's your dad track? Good one. My dad track. That's kind of like the way that my dad's always taught me that shit. Nothing is ever exactly how it seems. Yeah. Like, uh, don't be so easily fooled by like what other people are going to tell you or, or how, how you think something is going to go. It's never going to go that way. So. Oof. Yeah. Damn, you were learning some lessons from your pop. I know, I know. He was, uh, he's cool. He's a cool dad. That, yeah. He also is, was a super critical dad. I had a critical dad. Like a chill but critical, which is an interesting combo. Like we could be really chill at one point, but then he could also like just critique everything. Like if you, if you need an editor, he'll just, he'll tear it. He'll tear it apart. Do you think it was to knock you down a peg or two when you were getting... Or do you think, what do you think they're, you're going to break them down I psychologically? I, mean, <laughs> I, think, I think for some reason, my parents thought I had a big head when I actually had like low self-esteem. Maybe the two sometimes go hand in hand. You can be like both overconfident and have no self-esteem at the same time. Yeah, nobody talks shit about me more than me. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'll be the one that decides what I'm bad at. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, that's totally how I was, but, um. My dad also, though, I mean, he just, like, wanted, uh, still wants me to be the best. I mean, Dave was there, like, when I recently got in an argument, and, and my dad's decided that I should make $150,000 a year at some point, and mm -hmm. that for some reason... He's from the Soviet Union. He thinks that's some, how it's done. For some reason, like, that's his goal for me. Like, my sister has two degrees and is a teacher, like, quite frankly, she's not going to make a hundred. Right, she's not gonna fifty thousand dollars a year in, in this uh, like. Unless she wants to be like a principal. Yeah, maybe. yeah. And, and maybe maybe like in ten years, but for some reason, like I I have to, like my my measure of success will be like whether or not I make six figures in the next three three oh. years. How do you think you keep from making the goal of uh, successful parenting a quantifiable goal like that? Like that's super quantifiable. That dude. Yeah, I mean. that's that that, that yeah. legitimately is a marker of success. I think the only way I'll get away with not doing like or achieving other things my parents want me to is literally in my dad's mind is if I make enough money, if I make one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. It's like he'll leave me alone. Yeah. And that says that's and it's weird. It's weird that it's quantified. 
It is weird that it's quantified, and I think looking at it simplistically, money solves a lot of problems that that if you don't have money is exacerbated. So he's sure. just he's put this number on it saying you're going to be successful if, and but that's that's tough. That's really tough. A tough goal, right? And a tough thing to say to your daughter, I would say. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, that's, ultimately, that, that's the, you know, I didn't set that salary goal for myself. Yeah, you didn't. It, it, it was he set gave it for to you. me. Yeah, yeah, that's very like, difficult. we'll talk when you make $150,000. And then what? What are you going to do? You're going to come back and show him your paycheck and then say... And he's going to go 300. 300 yeah. Right? right. And yeah. Yeah, that's rough. I mean, what 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 defines success for you, right? I mean, I mean, I kid? don't know because I'm I'm uh, an adult with my own kid, and I still don't know what defines success for me because I, of how warped. happiness. If what I if, have to boil it down to one thing, I believe happiness. it's happiness. What if you're already successful? Like, what if I you mean, are a success as you are right now? Like, that's the way I look at it. I mean. It seems like this is a happy place. I'm happy yeah, to be here, you know. There's a lot of ways in which that's true. Like <laughs> yeah. going back to what you know when we were talking about. How Nobody's we ever a finished product either, right? I mean, nobody ever thinks, okay, I'm fine yeah, now. I mean, com- but compared compared to where we were, we're miles m- more successful and and happier than like where we started on this journey. And it's obviously, you know, if we talk about things like a journey, like you know, we're still on it, and there's a lot of like interesting things that we have yet to do and that I know that we will do. Like we just haven't even reached the point where, where we're like have the capacity to address them. But sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think there's the generation before us that wants to quantify success. Yep. And uh, it's hard for you to try to like philosophize success to them. Even though I feel like they, they like started off all philosophical and, yeah, the baby boomers. I mean, they're like the most full of shit generation. Do you know what I mean? Because they kind of came in being like hard work, the American dream, so on and so forth. And then by the end, they're, they're like, you're ruining it for us. You're ruining by it. That's way, not what we wanted. They're all bad at their jobs. Do you, how many, I deal with so many baby boomers who are like, just can't even like make a, make their email work right. They're like, I, I don't know what I'm doing here, but you know, I, just, generation... I gotta just insert this and upload. Like, and I, I, I really like. I love my mother-in-law, but I mean, even her, like, she just like struggles with like attachments. Or, yeah, like, the <laughs> she cloud. mailed us. She mailed us um, a uh, a USB drive. It's like fantastic. Just put it. It's like put it in the fucking Dropbox. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> That's what fantastic. You... But I mean, I think everybody was kind of usually anyway born at the right time they're born at the time they were supposed to be born and they were given certain tools to live in the you know in their heyday sure that's very buddhist (laughs) of you Uh, maybe and you know 30 years down the line we're gonna seem like relics to our kids and uh you know yeah, just imagine the shit that we won't have figured out. <laughs> or society's going to regress and we're going to be in a Mad Max yeah, reality. I, I think we're going to all be, yeah, it's, yeah. I don't want to, actually, I don't even want to say that I have a, a bad outlook. I think there's there's a lot of good that's coming out too. And then there's, a, there's of course, a lot of insanity. But Yeah. 
People are the brightest they've ever been now, and people are the most caring they've ever been now, and they're also the most awful they've ever been now. Yeah, so, okay, so to go back to the XX Tentacion thing we were talking about, you know, after his murder, you know, Chief Keef tweeted out that he's squashing all of his beefs and he wants everyone to, like, love each other and stuff like that <laughs> because he's, like, legitimately, like, afraid of getting killed. And I, I thought there's something kind of interesting about that, right? Because I feel like the artifice of... Uh, you know, like an artist, especially a rapper, would not have been changed by someone else's death. But I feel like people are like literally looking around. It's kind of like the lost generation, you know, like Ernest Hemingway and all those people. I feel like we're kind of like in this era where we're like, man, like life isn't meaningless if you don't want it to be meaningless. Do you know what I mean? Like if you make something out of it, it's not. But if you don't, it definitely will be meaningless. Uh, yeah. The, the nihilism thing, I... I can't do it. I'm not a nihilist. I've realized that it's just, I, I don't believe that it's meaningless. I, I think that it it is a lot of pain, and I believe that life is mostly pain. You are a Buddhist, man. That's a direct but Buddha. Life is pain. It is, but there it's like there's a whole bunch of magic if you just let it and, and watch it, you know? But we don't, we don't do that with nihilism. We just say it's all terrible yeah. and pointless. Um, I, I, anyway... Hold on, we gotta start this next song because okay. and then this, we're running out of time, I know. We are. Well, and I, I know you gotta drive back to Evanston. Yep, yep. So I thought this would be sort of kind of an alternative view of parenthood. This is, this is a song called Me and Jesus the Pimp in a 79 Granada last night. Well he was smiling like a fortune as he rolled up the horticulture. Ignited it and said, I hope the vapors don't be such. But I replied, deny, but it makes him weed and hot. He said it was nine up and down like he agreed a lot. Boy said we need a plot. I can plot a little spot. Hopped in the granada, he's impressed by the beat. I got his name is Jesus, but his pimp name is Jesus. Slapped a hold of pieces with his plastic prosthesis. Nigga, don't you know that I'm your daddy? Said he, this is true. Plus he screwed me for my Mac and degree. Never flee, try not to flee, make niggas pee when you All right, so. This is... Oh, I said the name already. You didn't say something, man. Go ahead. How, how is this about your fatherhood? So... And, and may, 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 make it brief, because I'm ready to get out of here, too. Sorry. I'll, I'll make it brief. So, the song is about a guy who... It's, about, it's a story song. It's about a kid that grows up where his mom is a prostitute and his dad is her pimp, Jesus. is his dad... Um, and about how he, like, learns sort of complicated life lessons from his dad, the pimp, Jesus, who he just calls Jesus the pimp. He only refers to him as his dad once in the very beginning um, because he doesn't, he holds a lot of contempt for him. And the song ends with them getting into a shootout. And you don't actually, I think you don't actually know the outcome of the shootout. And it, it's like basically like four scenarios, all of which end with him and his dad in a 79 Granada last night. And That's actually pretty interesting. And I haven't heard this. Yeah, no one knows about the coup, or the coup rather. They, this was, I think, came out in the 90s. They're an Oakland band. They're Click on that band name because I know I have a song that I've listened to of theirs. They have something about like... Any of these look familiar? My favorite mutiny, I just want to lay around all day in bed with you. The guillotine, pork and beef, pimps. 
Oh man. Five million ways to kill a CEO. Yikes. <laughs> what? Uh, these these guys were in the nineties? Yeah. Fat cats, bigger fish. Laugh, love, fuck. Um, I believe it's eat, pray, love. Um, we are the ones. Dang it. I know that there's a there's a song of theirs that that Timmy gave me. Timmy Whistle gave me. Oh, Timmy Whistle. Anyway, I haven't seen that mofo in two years. Um, so, uh, before we wrap up, uh, Comedy Tub is when? Thursdays at 8. At 8 Chicago p.m. Joe's. Chicago Joe's. And your monthly show is? Tattler, uh, Tattler Tales at Tattler Post 973. Your social media? And the lousy on Twitter. <laughs> Um, follow the Impress Me With Music Instagram. Um, we basically use that to post the episodes. Uh, I'm at Lake underscore Superior on Twitter. No, don't worry about me. Just let me, let me have my professional career and make $150,000 a year. Oh. Just leave me alone. Oh, damn it. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Heard the black black with 20 head crack percussion and body blows. Her body from some bow lows to the spine. I was hysterically crying. All she could do was whine. She didn't even have the strength to say I love you, boo. But I said it to her, and she knew that I knew she was made by the team. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture.